0: Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. Today's guest is Sarah Duffy, a runner living in Atlanta, Georgia. Sarah was in Boston for a training weekend with the goal of getting to experience the Boston Marathon course for the first time before she races it later this spring. Sarah is one of those runners that Allie Kiefer talked about in last week's episode, as her big scary goal is to chase the Olympic trials qualifying standard in the marathon. I sat down to chat with Sarah after a couple of fun runs here in Boston. We shared the magic of the Newton Hills as they were full of runners and volunteers, and it stoked the fire for Sarah's upcoming training cycle for Boston. We talked about motivation, taking time off, and how to keep that fire lit. Hope you enjoy. So we are recording here from a a gloomy Boston, Massachusetts, where uh, yesterday it was absolutely gorgeous, and today it is sleeting. Um, I have Sarah Duffy here with me, and Sarah has been in town for uh, what we have called the Boston in Boston the Training for Boston in Boston Training Camp. And we're working on the name, I know. So, welcome, Sarah. Thank you for joining me on this uh, Thanks, podcast John. here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: For sure. So, um, you are training for Boston.
1: I'm training for Boston, my first Boston. Your
0: first Boston.
1: I'm so excited. I've spectated in 2017 and couldn't get enough of it. So, it's been on my list. And,. Now I got to come and train in Boston, which made the course just seem even more exciting.
0: Nice, and as everyone knows, you don't just decide you want to run Boston and and run Boston. So what's what's been your what's been your path to to the the training for Boston in Boston training camp that you're then running Boston?
1: It's it's been a windy uh kind of path, but this year in twenty nineteen just felt like the right year to take on Boston. Um, I hadn't really had a marathon on the schedule in about a year. And at the end of 2018, decided that with no plans in place, that it was time to fall back in love with the marathon. And what better place to fall in love with 26.2 miles than the best course in the United States.
0: No better place. So falling back in love with the marathon means you had to fall out of love with the marathon. So how did that happen?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I was cursed with some injuries and it it took um a a half marathon cycle that didn't exactly go my way and a summer of struggling to try to get back in the groove to run a marathon at the in the fall of 2018 and when when I just felt that my legs hurt every time I went out for miles and it it wasn't worth it anymore. So, taking a step back from running made the journey of you know running 10 miles a week running 20 miles a week every step was kind of like you know starting all over and
0: bambi legs
1: it, yes <laughs> jello legs like every time um and then i started to do some some workouts again and um after taking some time off coming like n- there's no better feeling than coming back after taking time off um and i looked back and I was chasing some big dreams, 2017, 2018, and they weren't really falling into place because I think I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. And when when you put too much pressure on yourself, it it really takes the joy out of running. Um, So once I took that pressure off and just decided that I was going to run when I felt like it, I started to want to run every single day. And then I wanted to run doubles <laughs> every single day because I wanted to run again. And that's when I knew that it was time to put a marathon on the calendar.
0: Nice. It's a, it's a trap that, that a lot of people seem to fall into the, the, you know, everybody else is doing it. So I'm just going to keep signing up for marathons and hoping, hoping they, they go well. Um, so kudos to you for, for listening to the, the fire within to, um, to back off when yeah. you need to back off.
1: Well, and sometimes you have to listen to the fact that there's no fire in there at the moment.
0: If there's, there's no fire, yeah.
1: <laughs> there's nothing inside of me that wants to race. I even went and spectated some races with friends, and I would look out at them running marathons and be like, I don't really want to. I don't want to be you. Yep. I don't really want to be you. I'll take you out to lunch, and I really enjoy cheering for marathons and cheering for races. Um, but listening to your body is something that it's so cliche. Um, and you know, I think sometimes it's a good idea to listen to your body and sometimes it's a terrible idea because, Hey, at mile 20 of a marathon, your body is pretty much telling yeah. you that you should probably <laughs> slow down. Um, but yeah, so back to your original question, it's Boston has been the, the kind of, I've put it on hold for a long time because I wanted to just run fast and now I just want to race. Now I just want to nice. have fire. I just, yeah. I just want to go out there lit. and it is. Oh, it is <laughs> lit up. I mean, it's gonna freeze in a second when yep. I come back <laughs> outside, But yeah.
0: So um what was it like being on the course for the first time?
1: Oh man. It it's interesting. I've never run a course before running a marathon. Wow. I've never seen it before. I didn't I did not know what to expect. Um I think. Yesterday was one of those runs that could not have gone better. Um, we were out there. We were just kind of we were rolling some some good paces at the beginning, but the moment we turned onto that course, and I saw all different types of runners running towards me. It wasn't just people who were elite and really fast. It was everyone out there training. Um I saw all the volunteers who if you guys haven't been on the course in Boston just for training, these wonderful volunteers stand outside in 30 degrees and hand out water and Gatorade for you and just are like we would say, "Hey, thank you for being there." And they would say, "Thanks for running." what? <laughs> Thank it you. It is
0: very special.
1: Um, And it was, I saw the hills and I didn't get scared of them. I got excited to see what I could do. And um, the Boston course is, it's going to be, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be something that there's so much just, I can't wait to feel the excitement of finishing Boston. And no matter what the time is, but knowing that I I've run on the most special one of the most special courses for sure. Um, yeah.
0: So what what was the initial spark that that got you interested in Boston? I know you've loved Boston and the the idea of running Boston for a while, but where where did that come from?
1: Um, I think a lot of it is weirdly due to last year. Um, with people I watch, not only
0: and and mind you, last year it was. Uh, it was, uh, 35 and pouring rain
1: and windy. And I watched all of the grit of the people who went out there and didn't give up. And I think that's what Boston stands for is racing a race that you have no idea if you're going to PR or not. You don't know if that you're going to get good weather. I had a coach once tell me that, you know, he can pretty much guarantee what the weather is going to be like in fall marathons, but spring marathons and specifically Boston, you it could be 80 and sunny or it could be 35 and raining and you go out there and you know that you're going to battle and you're going to battle elements and watching not only, of course, Des Linden go out there um, and win, but watching a lot of my close friends go out there and to hear their stories of what Boston was like. And it it hit home way better um, and way harder when you know someone who went through it and they get to tell you those stories. So in the back of my head, I was like, I think I'm going to run Boston in 2019. And then when I kind of came away from the running scene for a little bit and then coming back in, it was like, oh, it's got to be Boston. (laughs) It's got to be. There's no other marathon that sparks that started to spark my excitement than Boston.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a special place. and. And like you were saying about all the people that were out there, that's what, that's what got me into running, seeing all the different shapes and sizes and skills and all that good stuff. Because how Um, many
1: times have you run Boston?
0: I've run Boston twice. Yeah. And,
1: and you live here and you get to experience it every day and just see, you know, see everybody training all, all the time and in any sort of condition, any
0: given Saturday
1: and Sunday (laughs) and Sunday.
0: (laughs) Yes. So that was, uh. That was yesterday. And then today we went out. And how was today?
1: Today was a completely different day. Um, Thank you to Boston for granting my wish for some snow. I texted John about two weeks ago and said, hey, would you mind bringing the snow? Um, We don't get that in Atlanta. And when we do, it's not fun to run in. So I really wanted some snow. And we woke up this morning, and it had been fleeting and snowing all night. And um, with some frozen feet and fingers, John took me on a loop um, back into Cambridge and then back around the river. And it was cold, but it kind of symbolized, you know, the grit of yeah. people who run in Boston. And it makes me think that, yeah, I've got to get a little bit stronger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It's, it's fun training in Boston. I sort of feel bad for people that that – race boston with you know training in in ideal conditions because if it's if if you're if you're running in rain for the first time you're running in cold for the first time it's it's a shock to the system particularly with with the the odd setup of how you get to the start line
1: right it's not it's not for the week it really isn't it's a race where from everything that i've heard and seen it's it's the battle of not just the fittest, but who is the ment like really mentally strong. Sure.
0: So again, Boston is not one of those races that you just, you know, see on the calendar. Oh, mid April, second weekend, second Monday of April works in my schedule. Um, it's a grind to get, to get to Boston, Mm -hmm. not only to get to, to the finish line of Boston. So let's hear a little bit about, uh, how, how did, how did it all come together?
1: Yeah. Um, Boston came – the road to Boston started back in, I'd say, 2015 when I ran my first half marathon. Um, and it was one that – I had some friends who told me – who would see me running in Charlotte and may say, yeah, we, you should come do a track workout with us. And what is a track workout? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I just go out and run as hard as I can every day. Um
0: a very sustainable way to train s- s-
1: very, very. <laughs> um, so they taught me the ropes of track workouts. My friend wrote me my first half marathon training plan. He was someone that I met after doing a flywheel class, and okay. we went on a two-mile run after flywheel, which Ooh, I thought was a nice shakeout. Big there. <laughs> deal. Big deal. Running after a flywheel class. Like, am I crazy? Um, and he was wearing a Boston shirt. And I, you know, I had heard about the Boston Marathon at that point. And he was telling me that he had run – he had to qualify for this this race, and I was kind of blown away by the fact that there's races that you have to run really fast in order to get into. I thought you just went out and raced to race and race to place. Um, So he told me about Boston, and I told him that I think I wanted to run a half marathon. So he wrote me a plan, and so I ran the – now non-existent nike women's half marathon out in san francisco
0: nice hilly one
1: so my first race was very hilly (laughs) and um i ran it and i look back at some finish line photos and i have the largest smile (laughs) on my face in the entire world and i finished and i was like that was the most exhilarating more 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 so i finished and i my dad came up to me and he's like i mean do you need to sit down Do do you need me to like do anything and i was like I kind of want to keep running. <laughs> he was like, I think you found something yes. here. Um, so I finished that and immediately signed up for a half marathon in Charlotte, the next, the next, uh, spring. And in that training cycle, i met my coach who coached me through about four half marathons and Three marathons, um, and he's the one who kind of saw me running and said, "You, there's something else here other than just someone who can run a half marathon. You should try marathons." And I said, "No way, no, I, that's a long way." And um, he wrote me a plan for like a build up to a marathon cycle, and I did my first, I think, fifteen miler. It was like fifteen miles, hmm. and it was amazing. And there's nothing it that kind of was like, oh, the long run is where it's at. Yeah. Um, so my first marathon I qualified for Boston at Marine Corps in 2016. That
0: is that is something else. It, that is special. It
1: didn't go really my way. I was I went out with the aggressive goal of going sub three and okay. finished in three fifteen and I was so sad and my dad ran over to me he goes i'm so proud of you you qualified for boston and i was like oh bigger picture sarah
0: (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs)
1: bigger picture and ever since then boston has been on my mind but i was like no i'd rather continue to try to get a faster marathon on there um, and run prs and then somewhere it hit me that running is way more than running a pr And that kind of threw, I ran two more marathons in 2017 and then took a break in 2018. And again, like, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to race to race, not race to PR. I think there's something in there too, of just putting the PR away from your brain.
0: Yeah. It's one of the reasons I moved from in 2018, moved from the, the roads to trails, just getting out there, enjoying it, and, and waiting for that fire to come back to, to go fast and yeah. to, to ex- just experience it. So why do you do it?
1: Why do I run? Yeah. Um, what gets I, you out the door? It's people like you. It's people that, you know, you and I have run together for two days straight. It's it's meeting people. It's being able to share, share the, the road to quote unquote glory with people of, you know, it's not just, if I was grinding by myself every day, what a horrible way to run. Um, I think starting, I started running and, you know, my friends are the ones who got me to come do track workouts and, um, they get me through my long runs and the running community. If you haven't experienced it, it is something it's in another world, whether you're training for five K's, whether you're an ultra marathoner, whether you're training for marathons, it's the most one of the most accepting communities I've ever had in my entire life. And I run for I run for the people, but I also run because I know that I've been given a gift and I've been given um, the ability and the enjoyment of endurance sports and if you have both of those it's one of those things that i can't let that go to waste sure and running is not only the most exciting thing that i've done in my life but it's also the most humbling
0: (laughs) so (laughs) kick your ass kick your ass time and time again no matter how fit you are. (laughs) no matter how
1: fit you are something always knocks you down and it always brings back the yeah i gotta keep gotta keep grinding and um so yeah, it's the people and it's just the how much can I get out of myself today? And some days that's a nine minute mile and I'm happy with that. Yep. Some days it's a race and I'm excited to go and push myself there. But, um, every day you, you can find out something about yourself and that's really cool to find in a sport.
0: Totally. So. I don't want to harp too much on the numbers, but you mentioned, you know, you're you're a sub three marathoner who also runs nine minute miles. Oh, yeah. Talk talk to me about that.
1: Yeah. So my recovery paces did not used to be that. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I used to go out and consistently be like, if I don't run sub seven on this run, I failed. And your body is cannot do that. And if, like you mentioned, that's not sustainable. Um, so I learned in my marathon buildup to Philly that the slower I ran on the day before my workouts, the harder I could work in those workouts. And through working, um, with, with my coach on understanding what recovery really meant and then working, um, uh, specifically with, you know, seeing my other friends who were running slower Strava has, I think it's sometimes a curse, But when I, I remember specifically following um, Esther Atkins and seeing that she is an incredibly gifted runner, but she's running nine minute miles on her recovery days. And if she's running nine minute miles and she has about like a 25 minute (laughs) PR that's way faster than me, why am I running seven minute miles on my, on my easy days?
0: Yeah, I saw something, uh, uh, someone posted that Shalane Flanagan runs seven to eight minute easy runs, recovery runs, and I was running seven to eight minute yeah. easy <laughs> runs, and not that easy after a track workout or no. whatever. So yeah, it's it's cool to see um, professionals and elites and even sub-elites that are, that are posting about their easy workouts, yeah. or, or not easy workouts, hard workouts, easy runs.
1: Right, and- Running is – it's more than just your workouts. I think we get a lot – I love posting my workouts. I love being able to to see like, oh my gosh, this went so well or oh my gosh, this went so terribly. But then the next day, sometimes it's even more fun. Um, I used to to do my runs based on time and be constantly looking at the pace and seeing, oh, like what pace am I running now? Is it is it under eight? Because that's good. Now I just put it on heart rate or I just turn it off and cover it and just
0: – Freedom,
1: freedom, just so much L effort. Yeah. And I think there's something there with, with the running by effort and not really looking at your watch. I think the Timex is the greatest gift that you can give a runner to just say, I'm going to go run for an hour and doesn't really matter what pace it is. Yep. Um, but there's a lot to be learned from, from looking at the elites because they know what they're doing. You know, they've been at this for a long time.
0: For sure. And then some of the gifts that they give us of, uh, not running post-race or, you know, you run a marathon and take a day off or a couple of days <laughs> yeah. off or a week off. Um I was listening to a podcast with Ben Rosario and he talked about that. He said, you know, these guys that they're, they're professional mm-hmm. guys and uh, men and women, they're professional athletes. And if there was anything to be gained from running the day after a race, they would be they, doing it. Right? It's not like they have something else to do. Uh, so I think a lot of us can learn from learn from that. Absolutely.
1: For sure. And you mentioned Ben and I follow I think I follow the NAZ elite a lot because I think they're they're doing it right. And I love watching Steph Bruce's stories on Instagram after she runs a marathon because it's always <laughs> I'm not moving. (laughs) I'm playing with my kids. I'm eating whatever I want. I just worked my butt off for 16 weeks. I'm going to give my body a break. Yep. And you can look at that. My I trained with um, a wonderful woman named Lori Knowles who um, I ran with in Charlotte and now she's in Atlanta. And I remember training for my first marathon. She had finished her marathon and took two weeks off. I didn't see her for two weeks I was like, where is Lori? And they're like, Lori <laughs> takes two weeks off after every marathon. Lori doesn't run? <laughs> is that possible? So you, she okay? Is she okay? <laughs> what is wrong with her? Her but legs are gonna fall off. <laughs> and she comes back and like you mentioned before, she always says the first couple of days back, you have bambi legs. Yep. But then after that, you know, she she can she's able to start running again and start running pretty well without injury. And you watch again, like the elites who are able to take time off and they work, they work really hard and we do the same. We put our bodies through a lot in the 16 weeks building up to a marathon. So it deserves a break. It yes. deserves a freaking donut,
0: <laughs> a donut and a rest day brag. A re- oh, <laughs> hashtag
1: rest day brags <laughs> yes. for two weeks.
0: So yeah, for sure. It's, it's, I've fallen into that cycle of, of, you know, you race and then I don't want to lose all that all that fitness, but you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. And you don't lose the fitness after the, you know, a couple days off and, and really the best way to keep benefiting, to continue to benefit from that, from that long effort, whether it's a race or whether it's just a long run is that rest.
1: It is. And I think I've run after most of my races and only because there's some that I shouldn't have run after. There's some that I was okay with running after. Um, Just a few, a little shakeout. Um, but I promised myself after Boston, I'm not running. Time off. Time yeah. off. And nice. I think I love just seeing my own progression as a runner by you make mistakes and then you learn from them. And luckily we're in a place where we can keep at it and learn from our mistakes and you know, implement something new next time around.
0: Totally, it's like a it's like a puzzle, and every time you complete the puzzle, you learn something. <laughs> yeah. You learn something new, and you take that puzzle piece, and it's a freebie for the next time around.
1: Exactly, <laughs> you're like, all right, now I know. After multiple races, what I should do? It's kind of like after a five k, you you can run enough five k's to know how your body feels afterwards and what you need to do. Um, but you don't run multiple marathons like back to back in a year, you know, three to four marathons and be able to be like, OK, I took this from the one in February and I'll implement that in April. So it takes a while as a marathoner to kind of learn yeah. what's good and what's bad. But I think, number one, that's why you have friends and coaches and mentors around. Other people you who have failed, in the who past. Have failed miserably <laughs> and it will say, hey, Sarah, don't run yeah. <laughs> or something like that.
0: So why do you think it's so hard for people to take time off?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of, a lot of reasons. I think you mentioned one of them of, I don't want to lose my fitness. I don't, I don't want to be seen as weak if I'm taking time off, but I think it shows more weakness if you keep running and don't give yourself grace to, to rest. I think the most, the people who have the most power are the ones who can tell themselves, yeah, no. Your legs are feeling it. Legs are not feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you need to rest, and that takes guts. It doesn't take guts to go out the next day and run when you're feeling injuries or you're feeling that I might mess something up if I run. it takes more it takes more guts to to rest.
0: And there's that vicious cycle of people getting literal kudos when they when they push through uh, you know some something where they shouldn't. Yeah. And it's you know, Strava can be a blessing and Strava can be a curse. It absolutely and you just can. have to use the use the tool in the way that it best suits you. And
1: I think what you guys have done with with rest day brags is something that I absolutely love. It's given people sometimes in social media, it's let me post my good workouts, but rest day brags is I'm feeling awful. Yeah. I'm taking a rest day yep. and I'm drinking a beer and I'm loving it. Yep. And um so I think that's one of the reasons I think um I don't really want to harp on social media because I actually think it's gotten better. Yeah. I think you see people starting to understand that the sport is more than your workouts and your long run.
0: Totally. And so you mentioned Northern Arizona Elite. I think that what they're doing is one of the big drivers of Of that they're they're posting the fun stuff they're posting the burritos they're posting right you know all the good stuff that's not just crushing workout
1: absolutely they're they i learn a lot from them by watching you know even if watching what they're doing in the gym you know they're strength training they're not just running they are recovering they um sleeping sleeping a lot (laughs) sleep everybody's napping (laughs) (laughs) um they post what it's like to to run hard and to rest. And, you know, it it really brings the whole picture of what it means to be a runner. And you don't have to be an elite to rest, to sleep and to crush workouts. Right.
0: So a tweet, uh, so Amelia Boone tweeted a couple days ago as she's coming back to running. um, She said she sort of feels bad or guilty about spending all of this time on recovery when her mileage is super low compared to what it's been in the past. And she's like, I need to I need to get over that and and give myself the the um you know ability to to rest and recover because whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter what the next person's doing. It matters what you're doing. It right. matters what you've done recently, it matters what you've done in the last couple months and it matters what you're going to be doing tomorrow. Yeah. So it's it's all about comparing yourself to yourself and not falling into that trap
1: I think it's. i think people so and i kudos I've,
0: to you amelia yeah
1: kudos <laughs> amelia i think i saw that tweet too i don't know if i liked it sorry <laughs> loved it <laughs> um i think we also get in the downward spiral of comparing ourselves to who we used to be yes um and sometimes looking too far forward to seeing um this is who i want to be what do I have to do to get there? And sometimes it's not what do I have to do, it's what do I not do? Like, if I want to get to be at a certain level, sometimes it's not looking back to say, oh, I used to be at this fitness, which means I should do that again. Oh, I used to do this mileage yep. per week, I need to do that again. Or looking back and saying, we were saying yesterday, three weeks ago, I couldn't do the paces that we did yesterday. Right. And if I had that in my mind the whole time of, oh, no, I should be going slower. We wouldn't have crushed the way that we did, right. but instead we kind of figured out where are we right here, right now. And in that moment, it it was the right thing to do to go X pace. So I think to be able to really see your progression as a person, as an athlete, and to understand, all right, I was somewhere and I've you know climbed this path to get to where I am today. So now I'm a new person where, what can I do today to make myself better tomorrow? And I think that is kind of the framework that people need to kind of look at.
0: Totally. I love that. Yeah. It's, um, my coach keeps reminding me that, that it's, it's important to look at what you've done in the past, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily impact what you're doing in the future. Right. Like, just because you couldn't have done that 2 weeks ago doesn't mean you can't do that today
1: yeah and i think if you always look back then you miss some of your potential and you know if i think i'm in a tempo right and you mentioned that hey we we may uh i think i just PR'd in the 10k in my tempo <laughs> Well, if you're thinking about your 10k PR and your tempo, you're probably gonna pull yourself back and say, "No, no, like I'm going too fast. That's not that's not what I'm supposed to be doing today." Um, But instead, if you are just in the moment and don't think too much about the past, then you're gonna see some really cool results.
0: Yeah, it's it's really cool what happens when you sort of let go of the the like, I I think I can do X. Um, Like you were saying. Three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I, I wouldn't have been comfortable running the paces <laughs> no. that we were running had you told me, okay, go out and run X miles at X pace. But when you when you sort of let go and just see what's possible yeah. and, and are open to, I don't want to say failure, but bonking or, or just like not feeling good. You
1: have to risk it sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen this, but I... Um, one of the other runners I really love right now is Sarah Crouch. I think what she's doing is awesome because she is taking risks. Um, she is taking off her watch in races. She's not looking at it. She is staying on paces that does she know that she can handle for a half marathon marathon? She doesn't know, but she's willing to take the risk because that's where she is in her career. And sometimes those risks pay off amazingly. Sometimes they make us walk off the course (laughs) and say, no, that was not the right day to take a risk, but there's something like you mentioned earlier, so freeing about being able to say, I'm going to go for it today and see what happens. See what happens. I'm going to, yeah, because sometimes I don't want to put a pace on there. I'm just going to go, I'm not going to put a limit on myself.
0: Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's ahead in the next couple of weeks for you?
1: Yeah. Um, I am training mostly just building up my mileage, um, trying to get up into the 60s range. 60s, meh, it might hit 70 because of how much I'm loving running right <laughs> now. Um, but a lot of what I'm trying to do is I'm focusing a lot on staying healthy and making sure that I do everything possible to make sure that my injury stays at bay, that I am in the gym getting stronger, um, that I am running carefully and and really strategically, um, and continuing to find the fire that is inside. Nice. And I think it's it's there, and everyone around me is continuing to help to flame that.
0: Cool. It's yeah. not a it's not an individual sport. We're all we're all in it to help each we're other. We're all in it together for sure. For sure. Well, I can't wait to see you fly up uh, <laughs> up heartbreak or up. Uh... Please like be in heartbreak hills. for me because I'm <laughs> going to need you. <laughs> you crushed it yesterday, so I'm, I'm sure you'll remember that. Oh, um,
1: yeah. That course marathon is Monday. now ingrained in my head. If you guys get a chance to come run Boston, the course before the marathon, take a chance. John's house is open for you.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> we will run the course in uh, hopefully warmer weather, but yeah. whatever it is, it'll be fun. So. And
1: uh, be on the lookout on uh, John's Instagram and in Strava. He's about to go crush 5K in a couple of weeks here.
0: Looking forward to it. Legs so, are feeling good. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Sarah. Uh, this was fun. And uh, we'll be rooting for you in Boston. Thanks, John. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.